Ben's line, but right now on the line uh, from different places around the country, I'm joined. Uh, oh, I'm joined by Tutin Kassan and Robin Greenberg. Uh, Robin is the director uh, and filmmaker behind Team Tibet, Home Away from Home, and uh, Tutin is the subject. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. How are we both? Great, and um, wonderful to be on your show. Thank you. Oh, well, th- so glad to have you both in here. Um, right, we'll begin with you, uh, Robin. Um, 22 years. Um, one would think that was a long time. Uh, and then you think about the um, 58 years that Tutin has lived in exile. I guess um, I have to ask it first. Um, did you envision that this project would take so long? And, and, and why did it? I never envisioned when I set out to do something about the Tibet story that this film would take so many years to achieve, but I also have uh, Tutin Kesangla to thank for that and his encouragement on the journey to make some kind of contribution through film to spread awareness about the Tibet issue. And um, when I first started this project in my early years in Dharamsala, India, it started as a film relating with a strong focus on the environment. Now, the environment is still a strong thread of Team Tibet Home Away from Home. Mm-hmm. Um, but the discovery came in getting to know Tutanla and the incredible nature of his life and the inspirational person that he is, that he was the perfect main character for this film, um, through which the larger Tibet issues, including the environment, could be explored in a more personal way. Yeah, yeah. So, so you found the subject after. After you, I mean, you found Tutan after um, you began processes of the film. So did you well, go to India and then discover uh, Tutan through there, th- uh, through India? Well, I had been um, had the opportunity to do a number of stints of volunteer work in Dharamsala, India. I actually had met Tutanla before my work in India started because, of course, amongst the many hats that Tutanla has, is that he is the representative for His Holiness the Dalai Lama in New Zealand, Mm -hmm. and so I actually was one of a number of people who helped to volunteer to document His Holiness's first visit to New Zealand in 1992. So um, my knowing Tutankla preceded the initiation of the project, um, but his coming in as main character evolved um, over the years. And I'm so glad it did. Yeah, it's, I think we all are glad it did because it's absolutely wonderful. Um, now, Tristan, you were—I mean, I guess you were—you t- were taken away um, from your home after being a very naughty boy uh, at the monastery, um, you know. And then, then you're getting taught another way of life, uh, another language, um, and then we see through the film. And I guess over time. Um, you just kept such a strong connection to your actual home. So, I mean, the title of this film is absolutely correct when, um, you know, home away from your true home, home away from home. Susan? Yeah, yeah. I think that we chose the title because uh, since I've been in New Zealand for almost 50 years and this is now at my home, Mm-hmm. And uh, but in the same time, I I personally felt that what is happening tragedies that's happening in Tibet that we should not forget. So through through this uh, documentary that we hope not only told us my own story of my own life in New Zealand and what I'm doing here, but in the same time what is happening in my own home country, so that 
although lot of people know a lot about Tibet, mm-hmm. but it's still a subject that's almost like a taboo to anybody. Yeah, especially the politicians. Yeah, so I think it's important that the general public has a glimpse of what is going on, and especially in relation to the environmental destruction that has taken place in Tibet. So we hope through this uh, project of Robins, which he's been doing for a long time, and through my eyes, yeah. that this project will be sort of a highlight some of the issues that we're facing. Well, you, when you say about politicians, like I mean, there's a part in the film where you, where, where David Longy is speaking, and he's talking about the plight in, in Tibet. Um, and then you see later on you're meeting um, you know, members of parliament from the National Party. There's also parts of Helen Clark in there when they're signing the free trade deal with China uh, and they're saying they're going to hold China to, still to account to its human rights records. Um, but that seems to have not happened. And China has become a very important trading partner with New Zealand, if not our most important, uh, almost taking over Australia in a lot of sense. So do you see... Uh, that there is a lack of willingness from the New Zealand government to put pressure on the Chinese government to give back some autonomy to Tibet? My personal belief is that through politics, through friendship with China, this can happen. Mm -hmm. But my personal belief is that we are letting China to dictate every politicians, every country in the world, what they can do or what they cannot do. Yeah. This is what I'm not acceptable. Yeah. Uh, because for us, as a, uh, New Zealanders or even the New Zealand politics, we cannot meddle in Chinese internal affairs if we talk to China about something. So therefore, it is very important that we do not let them dictate to us yeah. that what we can do in our country we cannot do and moment you let that happen then i think it is a backward step as far as human rights are concerned yeah do, do i've often wonder is there an internal um you know mechanism is, is there a force within china of the chinese people uh, especially now that they are gaining um strength uh, in terms of uh, more and more freedoms, and you see what's going on in Hong Kong, uh, where they're fighting against the Chinese regime, uh, with them putting in their own puppet, um, you know, uh, political force within uh, within Hong Kong. Is there an actual uprising with the Chinese people about freeing Tibet? Um, do you, do you see people within China wanting uh, Tibet to have autonomy as well? And do you think that that might put pressure internally on the Chinese government? Well, I think it, it, will, it will eventually happen internally. Uh, out of it, we can put a lot of pressure, but in, it will happen internally because what is China is doing is one-party state, which is dictating to its, uh, its population what they can do, what they cannot do. Mm-hmm. For example, in Tibet, we had actually forced upon us what they call 17-point agreement in 1951, which promised Tibet and genuine autonomy within the framework of People's Republic of China so that we as the Tibetans live in Tibet as Tibetans practice our culture, practice our religion, practice our language mm-hmm. however China becomes uh, sort of we part of China they look after foreign affairs, defense, etc, etc, etc and they violated every article that's written since 1959 the revolution took place yeah. similar to Hong Kong when Hong Kong was handed over 
they promised the Hong Kong people that nothing will be internally disturbed till I think it's 1940, uh, 14, uh, 2040 or something like that. But already they are interfering in the internal affairs of Hong Kong and the Hong Kong people are again making a lot of noise. Yeah. So similar to inside China itself, communist state is a totally one-party state and therefore sooner or later some descendants will start in Tibet, similar to the Boxer Revolution, you know, when you yep. think about it. So I think internally, they have to give people the right. They cannot keep people in a, in a, some almost like a, every, everywhere you go, there's cameras everywhere. Yep. Everything you make move against the communist government, you'll be arrested immediately and put in prison. So you cannot keep doing this in this modern world when the technology is so quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a lot of ways, with that 17-point plan, it reminded me a lot of um, New Zealand and the original treaties. The two treaties, the one written in Pakeha uh, in, in English and the other one written in Māori, and there were promises made in the Māori Treaty for sovereignty over New Zealand uh, for, uh, by the government, uh, yet they took that away. So I saw so many similarities in that, and I guess you probably have quite... Uh, a good and strong um, cultural connection to the Maori people and their plight as well. And do do you, do you feel that within um, in New Zealand? Because I know you work a lot well, with, uh, with multicultural society. Um, so do you have a lot of similarities and a lot of talk with Maori them? Yeah, what we try to do in the multicultural society is basically try and uh, we have a ethnic group from many many parts of the world living here now as refugees or migrants. So we try and live uh, in this beautiful country of freedom as as a good citizen and try and share each other's culture in the same time acknowledge that each come from different different backgrounds and different situation mm-hmm. similar to um, um, our maori people in new zealand i mean you know as you say the government is now uh, to, you know through the treaty of waitangi try and rewrite all the wrongs that been done and slowly steadily these are coming and and uh, as you know, we are, the government is in partnership with the Maori. I know there's a lot of grievances, but we are still, uh, they are still actually trying to solve the issue or trying to rewrite what has been done wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Similar to, I think it's high time China also starts rewriting what's wrong they've done in Tibet because the policy in Tibet is totally wrong. Yeah. And they, 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 they cannot see that at all. Yeah. I don't understand why not. I mean, I think when when their eyes open that Tibet is such an important, you know, issue for whole of Asia, the actual water tower of the world of the Asia flows from Tibet. Yeah. And yeah. if China doesn't look after that properly, rather than damming it or doing all sorts of things to it, the whole of Asia will suffer, and the Asian people downstream will be affected. This is the reason I'm talking about how important Tibet is for the environment issue. Well, that's right. And therefore, they should, you know, do everything humanly possible to protect that natural habitat. So, I mean, we're lucky in New Zealand that most of our natural resources have been looked after and, uh, you know, we look at it all that way. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? You're talking about the water uh, and, and, um, you know, as water becomes more scarce in terms of fresh water, that water is going to be even more valuable. Uh, and if, if China keeps playing the games that they are playing with that water in terms of damming it uh, and limiting downstream flow uh, and polluting at the source, um, you're going to see conflict. 
you're going to see conflict with with their neighbours. You're going to see conflict with Bangladesh. You're going to see conflict with uh, India um, and the like. So. Um, and in that terms, and what they're doing environmentally, that's going to probably lead to a lot of trouble for China. So maybe in in that regards, they might have they might see that they're going to have to revert back um, to um, some kind of autonomy from from Tibet, so that the Tibetans who love and take care of that land will try to bring it back to normality. Yeah. But my personal feeling is that while His Holiness the Dalai Lama is still alive, I think it is China should realize that and try and, you know, accommodate everything that he's asking. Because after all, we had so many dialogues with the Chinese government regarding settlement of the Tibet issue. Mm-hmm. And the last meeting they had was around about 2010, I think, uh, 2010, which they said, okay, we have now built the bridge, come back to us with the proposal. Yeah. So what the Tibetan... Uh, uh, administration did was to go through the Chinese constitution one by one and ask everything that we asked for was within written within the Chinese constitution. So we went back and said, okay, now the building is bridge is finished. So here is a concrete proposal which you have asked. So not taking, not talking about independence, but talking about internal, uh, you know, self-government, etc., etc. And when they looked at this, he says, oh, no, 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 this is uh, what they turned on and said, oh, this is some form of disguise, form of independence. This cannot be done. You cannot bring this forward to us. Then they said, this is all inside your constitution, one by one. He says, what is written Mm -hmm. and what we practice, two different things. Yeah, of course. uh, You know, they have no desire to actually solve. So personally, I feel the world in general in the 21st century have sold Tibet away. Yeah. Everybody knows what's happening in Tibet. Yeah. It's yeah. All, and yet, uh, we get a lot of lip service, definitely. You know, <laughs> that's no problem there. But actually, ha- things happening is absolutely zero. So, I think it, I mean, I hope to this film that at least more public be more aware of it, what's actually happening in Tibet. Um, and how important is to... Uh, gain uh, what uh, these freedoms in Tibet during the reign of the current Dalai Lama, His Holiness, um, because it seems like there's going to be m- a lot of problems when he passes on yeah. uh, with the Chinese. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to try and force in their own Dalai Lama. Uh, we've seen that with other Lama over the years. Um, so, I mean, time is off the essence, really, isn't it? Well, from from Tibetan point of view, His Holiness has always stated that if I am useful to the Tibetan people, then when I pass away, I'll come back. Mm-hmm. If, however, while I'm in exile, I pass away in exile, then my reincarnation will be born in exile. Mm-hmm. And what the China is trying to do now is controlled that process. They've already started that process, beginning of that process, by refusing to recognize the uh, Panchen Lama, who was the second highest Tibetan uh, monastic leader, who was at the age of six recognized by His Holiness. Mm-hmm. Now he's almost 26. Since then, nobody has seen him. Yes. No yes. government, no union official, nobody ever seen this boy, whether he's alive or dead. In the meantime, China appointed one of their own Panchen Lamas who are born 
with in a Tibetan family, but in under uh, what a communist uh, cadet family, they put him as a Panchen Lama and grooming him for the next. Uh, he is already groomed as a Panchen Lama in Tibet, but the people in Tibet do not recognize him at all. But whenever he's been come front of the Tibetan people, they have to do. What they've been told to do. Yeah. Otherwise, they would be in big trouble. So it's only all camouflage. What you call it? Looks like a camouflage thing. So similar to His Holiness reincarnation. Now, what happens is when His Holiness passes away, Panchen Rinpoche is normally older person. Yeah. So his duty is to find the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. Now, what they're trying to do is by Panchen Chinese appointed Panchen Lama to try and find. That the next Dalai Lama. Now, when you consider it, the communist government policy, communists don't believe in religion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and why are they meddling in Tibetan affairs? And this is sort of, you know, it's it's it's, it's stupid because when you think communism doesn't believe in religion, yet in the Tibetan Buddhist uh, Buddhist religion, they're interfering like nobody. They have the right to choose. You know, they 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 only take this situation. Because ancient times, I believe, when the Tibetan Dalai Lama recognition was when the Tibetan people found him very difficult to recognize six or seven boys amongst them exactly. At that time, Tibet and China was friendly, very friendly terms. Yes. And I believe the Tibetans have asked the Chinese emperor, "Look, we're having a lot of problem. Could you help out?" Mm-hmm. And the emperor said, "Okay." He gave a golden urn. And he says, in that urn, we'll put six sticks with the six names on it, and we we'll shake that urn. And when the one stick comes out, that stick is the Dalai Lama. Now that only happens once in Tibetan history. Yeah. But today, communist government will tell you it is prerogative of the Chinese government to recognize. So, for us, I think if His Holiness passes away in exile, if the Tibetan people want, then he'll be born in exile, and again. We possibly finish up having two Dalai Lamas. You know, <laughs> one is Chinese control, one is Tibet control. Oh God! The Chinese control will never succeed. No. What is? I always say, what is not theirs, they cannot hold on to for long enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, j- j- just to finish, um, Robin, um, you must have had so much footage over the course of these twenty-two years. How did you bring this film together? Well, it has been um, the most exciting challenge, and I just want to honor and commend um, Tutankhamun's role in assisting with that, including um, because of his incredible skills as a printer, um, he also was responsible for um, scanning at high-resolution masses of historical old photographs. And I'd also like to say that without the partnership with my extraordinary editor, Peter Metcalf, 195 Suites in Wellington, we would never have been able to accomplish this. Um, his sense of um, perfection and striving for excellence and patience be- and sense of setting up systems to be able to cope with an enormous amount of um, footage, both that we filmed for the project over these long years and that we brought into the project from many um, international sources, archival mm-hmm. and, um, and, and recent footage coming from Tibet. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so thank you to uh, Tutla, um 
in Auckland today, too, for being there with me and um, for all that you've done to help um, walk by my side to bring this project to fruition. And we do hope, as Tutanla said, that it will bring in wide audiences to start getting a deeper understanding of the, the wider Tibetan issues and be motivated to see what else they can do to support um, this just cause for Tibet. Brilliant. Um, well, Tudela and uh, Robin, thank you both for being on the show this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure watching the film. I loved it, and I know the audience is down here in Dunedin will, and uh, like you said, it uh, does help gain a, 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 a total better understanding of, of what is going on over there, and hopefully, because um, I know the next generation is already doing great things around the fight to um, to free Tibet, and hopefully this will um, only just help to gain more traction. Um, so it's screening twice in Dunedin on the 12th at 1.30pm and then on the 18th at 11am. Um, once again, Tunla and Robin, thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, thank fantastic. You so much. Cheers. Have a great day. Thank you. you right, bye. Bye-bye. Alright, go and watch Team Tibet at the International Film Festival, like I said before, uh, on the 12th at 130 p.m. and on the 18th at 11 a.m. Here's Big Coma, Twins, you're on the one, 91 FM.